This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Tiki Barber. You're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two. Uh, Nick's a man of little words, but a lot of action. Uh, He's so proud to be in this class of 2015. He waited 37 years to get to the Hall of Fame. Well, that, of course, was Hall of Famer Fran Tarkenton when six years ago, in 2015, he presented his close friend and former teammate, Mick Tinglehoff, for induction to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, we lost Mick last weekend when he passed away at the age of 81. And so we reached out to Fran to see if he could join us to talk about the legacy of one of the greatest centers and, frankly, people in pro football history. And graciously and thankfully, Fran Tarkinen said yes, and he's here with us today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the iTester 2. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are, of course, Hall of Fame voters, joined as usual by Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon, but also, as I just mentioned, joined by a special special guest, and that's Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenden, as we remember, former Vikings center and Hall of Famer Mick Tinglehoff. Fran, first of all, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. We open this podcast, Fran, with your introduction of Mick for the calls class of 2015. And frankly, in the 11 years that I've been on the board, it was the most poignant and probably the most powerful and memorable speech that I've heard. How tough was that for you? Not tough at all. Um, Mick, uh, at that time, he was, he was suffering from severe dementia. He lived the last 15 years of his life uh, not knowing where he was. He didn't know where he was at the Hall of Fame. He really couldn't enjoy it because his mentality it just was really not good. Uh, he couldn't talk for himself. And so I told him I would talk for him. And I, and that was easy for me uh, because he had waited so long to be elected into the Hall of Fame. And, and that was a disgrace because, you know, he played 17 years, uh, came to our, was on our team in my second year, the second year of the franchise. He was the first Viking that ever made all pro. He was the first Viking that ever went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, and he was one of the great centers of all time, and he had to wait, I don't know, 25 years or more to be elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, it, it was just bad. I was glad he got in there, and I knew I needed to talk for him, and I was glad to do that, but I just really hated it that he couldn't have gotten the full value of that and, and understand that he was going into the Hall of Fame. Do not disagree with you at all, Fran. Um Wondering, what's your enduring memory of Mick? And, and what should people who didn't know him then know about him now? Well, it, you know, you got you to gotta understand we're, we're, we're roommates. We're best friends. We're soulmates for 17 years. You know, uh, we played in eight zillion games. We played in three Super Bowls together. We played, you know, we won a division six straight years. And, you know, we had all of this going on in our lives that was great and 
you know, and we were he was the best friend I've ever had. Uh, he was my confidant. I was his confidant, and then never changed until he passed on. And uh, he was a silent uh, assassin. I mean, he. I saw him take out Bob Lilly. I saw him take who was a great tackle. I saw him take out Merlin Olson. And these guys weighed 280 back then, and Mick weighed 245. And he was just a, uh, he was just a silent assassin. And he thought his number one goal in life was to protect me on the field. But I reminded me he needed to protect me off the field also, and he did that too. Fran, uh, after 32 years of waiting, Mick finally got the call, Fran. And then it was a question, who's going to present Mick Tinglehoff? And Fran, did, did he pick you or did the family pick you? And what did that mean to you? It could have been Bud Grant, but it was Fran Tarkenton. Uh, Bud Grant was his roommate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's get, let's let's get real about it. Uh, you know, uh, Mick and I were there from the. I was there from the first team one. He was there from the first generation before Bud. Uh, and so, Phyllis Tinglehoff, his wife, uh, you know, wanted me to do it, and I, I wanted to do it. I wouldn't have been happy if I didn't do it because it was just what should have been and Fran you came in in uh, 61 uh one year before Mick um Fran he comes in he's not drafted they thought he was a linebacker um what the heck do you remember about a young Mick Tinglehoff uh, your first impressions of this guy he was a football player from the day he walked on the field up in Bemidji Minnesota he was a middle linebacker and he was a free agent and, and a guy named Stan West was a coach who went out and signed him and only get, and, and he only gave him half his bonus, but he put the other half in his own pocket. That's a true story. Never been told. And, and so, and, and so they put him as middle linebacker. He could have been a great middle linebacker. Uh, but we really had a great need for center. And we had a guy who came up with me named Rip Hawkins from North Carolina and, and Rip was a really good middle linebacker. And so we needed more players that could play and Mick could play. And uh, it middle linebacker, he'd been really good. But we already had Rip, and so we needed a center. and put him in there, and you plug and play. And, and he was uh, he was so great that Lombardi in those early 60s when the Packers were everything, and they had a great center, Jim Ringo, who was hitting near the end of his career. And he almost made a deal with Van Brock with the trade somebody to get Mick to come and replace uh, uh, the all-pro all Hall of Fame center, Jim Ringo. Did, uh, Fran, did, did Mick ever talk to you in, in, as roommate uh, saying, uh, hey, hey, Tarkenton, stop running around so much. You're driving me crazy at center. I don't know where the heck you are behind me, and can't you stay in the pocket? You kidding me? Mick <laughs> would never – Mick would never say that. He was he was he was my center. He was my best friend. Centers don't tell quarterbacks how they should play. I don't tell, tell centers how they should play. It ain't that cavalier. Uh, and he, I mean, he didn't he didn't know whether the court, you know the quarterback could to play or not. But it was his job to go block, and my job to kind of do what I did. But Mick would have never said that, and uh, and and that's just what it was. We're speaking with Hall of Famer Fran Tarkin in on the eye test for two about the late Mick Tinglehoff. And Fran, 
You go down the list of mixed accomplishments, seven-time All-Pro, uh, someone who participated in all four Vikings Super Bowls, someone who started 240 games, one of the 50 greatest Minnesota Vikings, and now someone who also made it to Canton. In your mind, what was his greatest achievement? I, I don't know how, how to answer that. Uh, you know, his greatest achievement was he helped us win. I mean, he was a great player. He's a great teammate. He, you know, we're a team sport. We need all of us. We need a front office. We need coaches. We need ticket sellers. We need offensive line coaches. And we need all the stuff. One person doesn't make a great organization. And we need all that. And you need a center who can play and play every week. And he, and he, was, he was just as good of anybody that's ever played the position. And he did it for... 17 years straight and didn't miss a game, didn't miss a, didn't miss a practice, was a great teammate. And he, he, uh, he was, he, he was a great contributor to our success. And, but, and, you know, football is, is a team sport. Uh, I know everybody thinks Brady wins it by himself, but his defense last year gave up six points in the Super Bowl in modern day football where they score hundred points a game. The defense played pretty good, I guess. Yeah, not bad. Do you have a favorite story about Mick? Oh, I can't tell him. <laughs> How can you tell your favorite stories about your best friend? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and so, so uh, you know, every day I had with him, every moment I had with him was a joy. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, and, and up until he died, uh, you know, I'd call him and talk to him and he didn't, I don't know if he knew it was me or not, but he'd be lucid for a while and, when at the Hall of Fame, he said, "Where are we?" I said, "A hundred times, I had to tell him we're at the Hall of Fame," and, uh, and and you don't know how all that dimension works and what he knows and what he doesn't know, but uh, but he was an incredible human being, uh, the greatest friend I've ever had. We never had a crossword with each other, and he truly protected me on the field like nobody else. And he protected me off the field and I needed a lot of protecting off. Fran, uh, you had 13 years together with Mick and Fran, you know, fans think that the guy plays every game and that means he's not hurt, but Fran, you know, better. And you watch Tinglehoff up close for 13 seasons. Fran, talk about how often he played when a lot of guys would not have played? Well, you know, an interesting comment. And you would like me to give you the truth, would you not? I would. I never thought about that. I never thought about that. I never knew him to be hurt. If he was hurt, I never knew it. I didn't see him go out and limp, limp, limp and play or his shoulder was bad or is this. If it was, he never told me. If it was, he never told me. He, he, he just played. Everybody plays through some pain, but I, I, I just, Mick never was, he never lost his capacity to hit people with his shoulders and his arms, and, and he could always run. I mean, he always had his faculties. So I, 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 you know, I can't go along with it, you know, how hurt was he or how much pain was he in. Uh, you know, sometimes that gets overblown in, 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 in football. And uh, I, I played for 18 years. Uh, I played for four in high school, four in college. I missed five games. 
and they, they were all in one time when I broke my ankle. And but I, you know, we all you know have soreness and this and that. It's football, and but God, if you can get up and walk, you can play. And that's what that's what he did. Fran, last one for me. Thanks so much for doing this with us, Fran. Um, Fran, you're both retired after the 78 season. Now, yep. Mr. Tarkenton, I, I must I must point out to you that uh, you're three months older than Mick Tinglehoff. Three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Fran, you were 38. He was 38. Um, was that a coincidence that you both retired basically at the same time? Did you guys talk about that? No. I was uh, I was going to retire. We we went to the playoffs again. Played in L.A. We went, I think, in practice somewhere in the West before we, for a week before we played in L.A. for the playoff game. And I told Mick before the game, "This is this is it for me." I was I was uh, I just I just didn't feel physically I could play at the level I needed to play going forward. And and it was time for me to go. I did not know he was, you know, he's, he's soft-spoken. He never talks a lot. Even, you know, he and I, he giggle a lot. I make him laugh. But he didn't say to me he was going to retire when I did. When I retired, you know, I don't know whether he waited a month or two months or a day, but it was the first that he, he retired. He told me he was going to retire too. He didn't want to play Brand, I've got a couple last ones for you as well. And um, the first is about another former teammate, and that's Jim Marshall. He's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, yet he yep. held the record for most fumble recoveries, 30. I think he's still tied with that. Consecutive starts, well, he had 270s Jim, surpassed. But. Jim Marshall was uh, the Purple People Eaters, was, uh, you know, it was three great players, Paige and Eller and Jim. And then we had some, some really good players that played with them, Doug Sutherland and others uh, that, but they were as good a defensive line that ever was. And you had great defensive lines in that era. You know, the Cowboys had, you know, the, the, that group and you had the Pittsburgh Steelers with, with Joe Green and L.C. Greenwood and that group. And then you had the L.A. Rams with Jack Youngblood and Deacon Jones and Merlin Olsen. I mean, it was just more so than today. It was just a, an amazing thing. But Jim Marshall played 19 years and never missed a game. Jim Marshall was the heart and soul of our team. Uh, Jim Marshall had something that very few people had. He had uh, unbelievable energy and intellect. And uh, uh, you talk about great teammates. I mean, he and Mick were, were both great in this. But Jim Marshall, big personality, great player. For him not to be in the Hall of Fame is a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. And so I tried and talked to 18 billion people last year to try to get him in that group with a longer group, but everybody said they were going to vote for him. Obviously, they didn't know he'd be, he'd be in it. Yeah, those are our versions of the quiet assassins, Fran. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, uh, Ira referenced 1961. That's 60 years ago. Well, this Friday, some people don't know out there, marks the 60th anniversary of the first Vikings game. It's played on September 17, 1961. Now, there were two things that were remarkable about that game. One, the Vikings won it. 
They stunned Chicago 37-13 at the Met. And two, Ira, there was a rookie quarterback named Francis Tarkenton who came off the bench to throw four touchdown passes and run for a fifth. I think he replaced George Shaw. Anyway, he made quite an impression. You have no problem uh, remembering that day, do you, friend? I don't. I completed, I think, 17 of 21 passes for 237 <laughs> yards. And I did it. I did it in three quarters in an era where we didn't have a lot of offense, right? And right. we're playing the greatest team in the history, you know, for the first 20 years history of the NFL, it was the Chicago Bears. And they, 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 they were the standard because their owner was the founder of the National Football League. He was the owner. He was the coach. He was the general manager. And he made sure he got all the good players because he set the rules. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't say that in a derogatory manner. It's just the way it was. And you know, we were 28-point underdogs. We got beat by him two weeks before in an exhibition game. And those were days when we played the exhibition games. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was an amazing start. Jim Marshall started that game. We've been with us for one week. And I think he weighed about 218 or 220 because he had been sick with some disease. And the Cleveland Browns, we got a package of four or five or six players from them for a seventh-round draft choice. And Jim Marshall, we plugged him right in. And he started and was great from the time he walked on the field. Uh, that's a historic game that doesn't get much play. But it was a proud, proud moment to start a franchise that had had a great history uh, going, even though we didn't want to, haven't won a Super Bowl, but we played it for the first 11. And the franchise was built right from, from, from day one. And, uh, and that, was a, that, that was a great day. Do you have one particular pass, one particular play, one particular memory that you, met, that you remember from that game? Won't go away. No, I have none. <laughs> I, I really have none. I really have none. I mean, I, I, I prepare. I know one thing. I was prepared to play. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew, you know, all their defenses. I knew the audibles. I went to Van Brocklin's house for three nights that week and got him to mentor me and coach me and coach me up to get me, and he did. And without him, I couldn't have done all that. But, it, it, but uh, they blitzed 80% of the time, so I had to call audibles. I called audibles every time they were getting get a certain defense and because I understood the, the, the deal. Van Brocklin was the guy that, that who had all the experience and the skills, and he taught me. He was my mentor. I'm, I love to be mentored, and, and he did. And without him, I couldn't have done what I did, but it was a, it was a monumental game, and I, I don't think it's any greatest upset in the history of the National Football League. It's funny you mentioned Van Brocklin. A lot of people out there don't know. I know you do, Fran, but uh, maybe Yara doesn't. Maybe Ian Glesett doesn't. But the quarterback who holds the record for the most yards passing in one game is not a modern-era quarterback. It is Norm Van Brown. That's right, yeah. No, he was a great player. He was a phenomenal player. And he played at L.A. mostly. And he played in a two-quarterback situation with Bob Waterfield, who was more famous by being the husband of Jane Russell who was the sexy movie star of that era. He was the Marilyn Monroe of that era. And, right. and, uh, and he was a good quarterback in his own right, but then he went to Philadelphia and they won a championship. But Van Brocklin was a tremendous player. I mean, he yeah. Hall of Fame player, but he was – and, I, yeah, I, I think that's what he threw over 500 yards. I don't know if anybody's ever done that since then. Maybe so in the days when they're, they're, they're throwing the ball around so much. But 
No, he was the friend. <laughs> friend in that first game, friend, your very first game, you threw a touchdown to you, McElhenney, friend. You, McElhenney, and I don't think a lot of fans realize how great a player he was. He was towards the end of his career at that point. But oh, he was, what do you remember about McElhenney, uh, friend? He was a, he was a, he was, he was, uh, he was sub character. I mean, he, he was a handsome guy. Uh, and he, uh, I think he was 50% Indian, maybe all, I don't know. He dark skinned and he was, he was the best running back of that era. I think, I mean, you know, Gale Sayers came later and we saw yeah. Gale Sayers, but, but McElhenney had the, that, that, that first year he played with with us, I think he went to the Pro Bowl. He was brilliant. I mean, he was he was the king, and that's what everybody called him the king. And he was the king. I mean, he he came in driving a fancy car to Bemidji, Minnesota, and he wore fancy clothes. But he was a great player and a great teammate. And uh, uh, and and so he he, he was he, we couldn't have won three games that year out of twelve, which no other team had ever done. Cowboys came in the year before the new franchise team. They won none. Nobody won a game. And so we came in and won three. We couldn't have done it without Hugh McElhenney. Friend, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the time. Good talking to you. Really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Thanks, friend. That was Hall of Famer Fran Tarkin and Ira. You got to love him talking about some of those guys. You know, Hugh McElhenney. I remember with the 49ers, but certainly I do remember with the Vikings. Uh, Jim Marshall. And, and I thought it was interesting when he talked about Mick Tinglehoff um, as a, it was a disgrace, as he said, that he wasn't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame sooner. I know he's partisan, but I think he's right. Uh, Mick Tinglehoff was a great player. And, you know, Clark, I was just looking at, at Tinglehoff's the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the enshrinement, and Tarkenton did all the talking, and he was crying. The tears were flowing down. Clark, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I think Tarkenton was more happy for Tinglehoff than when he himself got into the hall, uh, which was on his third year of eligibility. Clark, you know, the people talk about Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo and the closeness of teammates. I think this one's right up there. Tinglehoff and Tarkenton, right up there. That's a good point, Ira, because you could see it during that Hall of Fame ceremony and you could feel it. I mean, I assume you were there. I certainly heard that. And and the place stood and there were tears everywhere. And you couldn't help but get emotional listening to Fran Tarkenden. I mean, he really was overwhelmed that his good friend was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Finally, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ira, you got any final thoughts for the day, for the week? Whatever. Well, my bucks were sloppy, Clark, but they found a way to win. And you know why, Clark? And, and it's right up your alley. Because they, the Cowboys made the cardinal mistake in professional football. They gave Tom Brady too much time to win the game. You can't do it, Clark. You just can't do it. Don't they ever learn? Huh? Don't they ever learn? And the reason I say don't you ever learn, it's the title of a song by Todd Rundgren. And guess what? <laughs> I see Todd has announced that he's not going to be there for his October 30th induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's got a gig in Cincinnati that night. So, Ira... Ian, what, ha- what happened to Hello It's Me? Off. The road trip is off. We're not going. Clark, well, what happened to Hello It's Me? I guess it's Hello, I'm, I'm not there. I mean, come on. 
Oh, he's, they're, they're going to do a video from his Cincinnati show that night where they're going to click on him and he's going to be there. Hello, it's me and I'm gone. Thanks very much. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for this weekend. I'm sorry I didn't get to ask you about your first impressions of Mac Jones. First impressions? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Good. Okay. And Ira, never got to ask you about your favorite Tampa Bay quarterback, Jameis Winston. <laughs> you know, Clark, I watched part of that game, and so did you. And, you know, I can't knock five touchdown passes. I can't knock that. But, you know, he threw for 200 yards. He only threw 20 passes. The Saints were fantastic. The Saints were fantastic. And, of course, a week ago I said, big tumble for the Saints. They might be 8-9 and nine this year. Clark, another one of my classic predictions. Yeah, that's a reminder. Don't listen to Ira on this broadcast, okay? Anyway, maybe more on Jameis next week. Maybe more next week. When we'll be back with what, Ira? The eye test for two, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you should listen to Ira when he says that. Thanks for listening. See you next week.